0: Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Monday, November 16th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Mark Porter. A lot of questions from listeners to get into on today's show. Let's get the festivities started with G Buck. says, Mark, I saw your high level review of Sonny Styles. You seem pretty high on him. Just what do you think of Sonny Styles, basically?
1: Yeah, you know, I saw your question. You know what? That was a pretty good observation that you said uh, he wasn't totally hitting people uh the night I saw him I actually had that impression but then as I talked to him you know he had cramps and he came in and out of that game a couple times and he wasn't even playing that much and on a few snaps I don't even think he came out of his stance he just kind of stood in the middle of the field and I don't think he was going to run unless they tested him so I think he was kind of in a self-preservation mode every now and then out there where his legs were tightening up and he wasn't going to go take off unless he needed to which okay, let's debate. Should he have been out there or was he toughing it out? Is that a good quality? That that would be where the conversation would go then. But a couple times on tape he ran over and I actually showed one of them on film where he just put a shoulder on somebody kind of lazily. And I'm not sure if that was just him that night. So that's why we dug into his tape and went back through the you know, first couple of games of the year to see if we could find some shots of him coming up and being physical. Uh, he had plenty of physical things on tape. So you kind of start leaning that way more. But You know, I don't think we're getting anything past these buck nuts trying to fool them with these guys because they saw the same thing on film that I did, that there was a couple plays where he didn't, you know, lower the boom. Uh, I think he's a sophomore. Uh, I think he'll be fine. I think, you know, these are things that if we were on a staff together, we would keep our eye on for the next year or so before we really fired an offer. You know, if he was softer, is there a way a different position he could go to keep him out of that? But Right now he looks like an unbelievable athlete at six four. And you just wonder what he'll look like next year at this time, you know, and will he his evaluation change to a different position or will he live up to the staying at safety at six four height? But again, here's something else I want to point out is a lot of these teams anymore have these tight ends. They're six five, six, six, and nobody on the field can handle them. And if you have a safety who's six four who can run. He may be a guy that comes in in situations to cover tight ends and he runs with them and he, and he blankets them up. So he has a unique skill set that you're not going to find too many other places. There aren't too many uh, corners in the NFL that are running with these tight ends because they don't have the size and same with the safety. So we, we shall see about him.
0: I'll ask a follow-up. Are you surprised at all that Cincinnati St. X didn't just win that game but just absolutely hammered pick central for the D1 state title?
1: You know what? I saw shades of Pick Central not playing 100% against Menner, and Menor just was not as good as St. X. Uh, St. X, when I saw them early in the year, I really thought they were as sharp as a razor, and they had more talent, maybe at each position, than Menner did. But you know, th- during that Menor game, Menor moved the ball all over uh, Pickerington, and it kind of worried me that you know Pickerington needs to pick things up here. They just got a couple big plays out of uh, the other styles. Lorenzo, he broke off a nice run and they had some other big plays that kind of got them out in front, but I didn't think they were uh Pickerington central. I didn't think they were as good as uh, I thought they were going to be. They were talented, but they weren't playing at a hundred percent. And, you know, we alluded to uh, styles before in that game where he was kind of cramping up out there and not playing at a hundred percent. So I, maybe I kind of sniffed that one out a week early, but don't do anything uh, to downgrade San Xavier. They're, they're a big time team. They have, a great offensive line and they protect that quarterback. It's really a nice looking uh, team.
0: Always well coached. Yeah. I'm never going to be surprised when uh, one of those Cincinnati uh, private schools wins the state title. But when I saw that score, I was like, wow, did not see that coming. Um, Let's look ahead. This is, this question comes from Tempe 03 Tempe 03. I think we know where that name comes from. Love it there. He says, Mark, pick your winners in these two state championship games this weekend, Kirtland versus Ironton and Maslin versus Hoban.
1: Okay, the the first one, Kirtland versus Ironton, I think Ironton's the easy pick. In fact, if there was a line in Vegas, I'd be running to look at that right now because Ironton is a really uh, big team for their you know division. They have some size to them. And they got some speed. When I saw Kirtland, they weren't as big as they had been in the past, and I don't know if they're going to be able to push people around, but they're good. I mean, and they had three or four players for Kirtland that play 100 miles an hour, and there's a reason they're always in these state titles. But, you know, Ironton should be able to win this game. And then uh, Maslin versus Hoban, when I saw Maslin Friday, uh, they were very one-dimensional. I mean, they just ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they ran the ball, and they had two, six, three receivers out there that could probably go win a lot of one-on-ones and make some plays. And, you know, they, they stuck with the run. And I don't know if it was, you know, the LaSalle game plan or, you know, but if Maslin's going to be that one dimensional and try to shorten the game, you know, it might be advantage Hoban because Hoban can make plays. And, you know, Hoban's got a quarterback that's been there forever. I think he's got gray hair, but uh, he, he knows how to handle these type of games over there. So that would worry me. You know, I think Hoban might have an edge, but you know, if Maslin can do what they did last week and just control the ball and be one-dimensional, which is really hard to do when you get to the state championship, uh, you know, they could win it. But I think that game's much closer than the Ironson game.
0: Now, here's the question we've all been waiting for. Buck's grad wants to know, he says, if this is fair game, Mark, what are you comfortable sharing about your own background?
1: Yeah. It makes me wonder what's in my background. I can't share. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> He's probably talking about uh, my football background or maybe even personal background, uh, played at Canfield high school. And then I went to Kent state to play for the most losingest team in the history of college football. Uh, we were five 49 and one while I was there and played for Pete Cordelli and Jim Gorgel. Uh, the best part about my career is I made it all five years, uh, played in 44 straight games, got to start a game as a freshman and, you know, had a very normal Mac career. You know, if you want to know about how I played, uh, while I was there, the, there was a tight end O.J. Santiago that my senior year I had to start splitting reps with because uh, he was a future third round pick of the Atlanta Falcons later to go to the Super Bowl that year and invent the Dirty Bird. So he's known for his dance, uh, which I still remember to this day. But that gave me a little insight as to, uh, you know, what talent was. You know, I was a normal 6'3 tight end and he was a 6'6", 250 pound kid that could run a four and you know, he wasn't as good at football yet as I was, but at that point, I was like most players I see right now. I didn't understand that, you know, a good football player would eventually be supplanted by a talented football player. And and hence I'm in the business I'm in now. So I think that experience there kind of gave me uh, a little insight to this process and, you know, kind of gave me a realistic, you know, real life situation that I had to go through. Uh, after football there, I spent a year at Cardinal Mooney coaching. I spent some time at Canfield High School coaching, and that's where Scouting Ohio was born. And So that's kind of like the football background of it. And then uh, I live in Canfield, Ohio. I've uh, lived here my whole life except for the, the years I went to Kent State. So don't mind sharing my background. There's nothing real flashy there, so I hope that wasn't you know a letdown for you.
0: That's actually really good stuff. I mean, played college football, started Scouting Ohio at a relatively young age. When exactly – did you start scouting Ohio? Like what year was it?
1: In 2004, we started putting videos of the Canfield kids on a a website that a dad created. But then in 2005, Canfield went to state and I started putting like the Cardinal Mooney and our Ursuline players. Um, I knew those coaches well. And a lot of the coaches in town. So we put a lot of the, the players in town on this website. And, you know, before we knew it, there was college coaches calling and, you know, it, it, we didn't know what to do at the time, and if, you know, I joined Bucknuts in 2005, and with the help of Lee Shear, we kind of put a business plan behind it, and there was a guy, John McAllister, that had a recruiting service, so we kind of mimicked what he was doing, but of course, tried to see where we can improve and do better, and, uh, you know, we sit here 15 minutes, 15 years later, and it feels like 15 minutes, and yeah, we have probably with the best recruiting service in Ohio, and there's about 80 colleges that use it every year, and I, I consider myself very uh, forced Gump-like, being at the right place, at the right time, and having the right technology, and running into the right people, you know. But that combined with a little hustle is is why I'm sitting here today. I think
0: running into Lee Shear, aka Mr. Bucknuts, is never a bad thing, uh, and, and joining uh, forces with him, um, I, I can attest to that as well. Uh, we, we all owe. Lee Shear, a debt of gratitude for everything that he did, uh, getting Bucknut started, bringing you on initially. Back in the day, and then and now you're back with us, which is so cool. Um, hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I want to ask you about Ohio State Indiana this coming Saturday. I mean, we got to go back, uh, to the Nixon administration when Indiana's ranked in the top 10. It was 1969. Uh, Ohio State's won 25 straight. And I thought, Mark, I thought when the spread came out, it'd be like something like you know, 16, 16 and a half, something like that. Ohio State's favored by 21 in this game. Uh, Indiana's looked pretty good. I've watched them play just your, you know, the Buckeyes. Had a week off that they didn't want off, but the Buckeyes got this week off to rest up even more and scout Indiana. Just your thoughts on this, you know, what has now become basically the Big Ten East championship game this Saturday in Columbus.
1: Yeah, initial thoughts. Yeah, I'm very pragmatic that, yeah, that's the right number. Ohio State should go in there and win by 21 because that's who they are. And then the Mark Porter that doesn't touch gambling because God's taught him so many lessons and it's 2020 uh, says that. Wow. You know, that's a big number. Uh, Indiana's played some good football. Uh, Ohio state should be able to put that kind of whooping on them, but Ohio state's defense is giving up some plays. We've, you know, watched on film where it's just, you know, maybe a mental error or, you know, blown assignment or something, but still there's, there's ways you can get to Ohio state right now. Uh, will the emotion of Indiana being a historic team or feeling like a historic team, or is this ranking more, uh, uh and i don't want to say it nicely like uh, a symptom of this season you know like this isn't like the most normal season maybe they got a nice win off a michigan team that's not anywhere near what anyone thinks it is you know who have they really beaten that's big time so you know is it an inflated ranking i don't know but uh like i said the first thing you think is yeah ohio state should probably be able to beat indiana by 21 points
0: I'm with you on that. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see it there, but I still expect Ohio State to win this game by three touchdowns. Especially now that they're getting some doubt from the outside. Everybody has been telling them how great they are all off season and through the first two weeks, and then the way they finished the Rutgers game, they finally you know have had to you know hear some criticism. I think that's going to fire them up. I think they're going to bring their A game, and they better because this Indiana team is no joke. I've watched them; they're they're a good team. Last thing, I was surprised. Go was ahead.
1: Say, Indiana might have had a better chance. If they weren't ranked, where, you know, Ohio State might not get so up for them, but you nailed it coming off a of bye week and Ohio State being bored and the team they're playing in the top 10. I mean, yeah, they're not going to overlook this team. <laughs> you know, so I think that almost, you know, works in Indiana's uh, not favor.
0: That's a great point because if Indiana was sitting there, you know, let's say they lost that Penn State game that they barely won with that, that crazy two-point conversion with Penix, you know, it was like 50-50. Did he get it or not? Um, yeah, and you know, let's say they lost that game. Maybe they lost another one for some reason. And you know, if this exact same Indiana team is coming in here unranked. I agree with you. they would be very, very, you, you, very dangerous. You can, you
1: can overlook them very easily in a normal year, and then they come in and fight you because they are a good team, you know, they could come in and give you a, a nice left hook somewhere, but Boy, I think Ohio State smells them coming right now.
0: Last thing, I was surprised to see this over the weekend. A guy that had a, thin, a phenomenal career at Ohio State, won the Remington Award his senior year, Pat Elfline, um, was a starter um, on the national championship team in 2014 at guard um, uh, as a sophomore. And just, you know, was a really good player. That was a third-round pick by the Vikings. He's been banged up. Um, came off injured reserve, seemed like he was ready to go and the Vikings released him. <laughs> they didn't even keep him around for the end of his contract this year. Uh, were you surprised that Pat Elfline got, re- got released by the Vikings over the weekend?
1: You know what? Yeah, because even if he's not your starting five anymore, that's the kind of guy you want coming off the bench. If someone goes down, you know, and the Vikings are a good team and they're about to make a run. Um, the other part of that their offensive lines blocking for a running back that's averaging like 10 yards a carry. So they probably found someone cheaper, younger, you know, that type of thing or the same. And, you know, with Pat having the injuries and that type of thing, uh, you know, maybe it's, they know more about his body than we do right now. And maybe he's at his edge, you know, maybe he's kind of pushed that body. And again, watching Pat from high school, this is just me talking out loud. Now he was never the six, five or six, seven monster, he was always a, a well-built kid that overachieved and played his butt off, you know, and, and played through everything. So, at some point, maybe that body is wearing down. And, you know, if he was six five or, you know, had that bigger frame, maybe he could last a little longer in the NFL. That's just, that's just me thinking out loud, because I've thought he's been an overachiever forever. So, you know, it's a shame. But if he's healthy, I, I couldn't see another team why they wouldn't pick him up.
0: How about Corey Lindsley, by the way, speaking of former Ohio State centers, I mean, Corey Lindsley is just having a a phenomenal career in the NFL uh, as the center for the Packers came in as a fifth round pick. Uh, He's been an iron man there. He's as steady as they come. And, uh, you know, he's a big reason the Packers are having a a a great year this year. I think maybe a bigger reason is Aaron Rodgers. But how about your boy, Corey Lindsley? I just am really, really happy for him.
1: Yeah, you know, he's a boardman kid, a local kid, and he's like just like a Pat Elfling, uh, not the biggest kid, but survives on all the other stuff. And you know what? The best ability for him has been availability. I can't remember him being injured, but maybe one time for the Packers. So that's another thing. You keep showing up week after week after week. You know, that, that goes a long way where maybe offline being in and out, that kind of hurt him. But what a, what a story he's going to have. Uh, I like when Lindsay comes back into town and I see pictures of him with some of the kids at Boardman. One of those great guys, especially when you consider he's a Buckeye.
0: Yeah. Great family. He stayed down to earth. Love Corey Lindsley. Yeah. I knew he was from your neck of the woods. So I wanted to give him a shout out there. Uh, great stuff from Mark Porter. Uh, good getting your insights on Sonny Styles and others. Good hearing your background for the listeners out there that might not know you yet, get to know Mark Porter. He's going to be a regular on the Bucknuts Morning 5. And he, of course, is our newest staff member at Bucknuts. He runs Scouting Ohio. So thanks again to the knowledge of Mark Porter. And thank you to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review. Or if you're on YouTube, subscribe. All of that helps. We appreciate that very much. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great day, Bucknutters.